You ready to get into the Word this morning? I brought my Bible. Did you bring yours? Yes, sir. I, amen. I want to go, if you brought your Bible, to uh, some things we've been kind of sharing on since, uh, I don't know, a few weeks ago. Well, we started a few services ago when we've been here, and uh, we've been talking about getting to know God. And how many of you have been in some of these services? It's been important to, that, we, that we just not know about Him, but that we know Him and know Him in the light of His own Word, right? Uh, it's not enough for us just to kind of think, well, this is what Dr. So-and-so says, or this is what this, this commentary says. That may be true. It might be right what Dr. So-and-so or the commentary says, but is it really? We've got to study the Word of God. And so we're going to look at uh, getting the right image of God concerning some of the things that people say <clears throat> because there's, there's uh, different thinking in the body of Christ. And, you know, when we say these things, we're, we're for the body of Christ. We're not against the body of Christ. The body of Christ is, is to be treated, you know, with, with the Bible. The Bible says we, we need to say to the other members of the body, I have, I have need of you. In other words, we can't say, I don't have need of you. So we thank God for the whole body of Christ, <clears throat> and they're uh, good people. But I'm just talking about different ways of looking at things from, from uh, the Scriptures. And we need to know, you know, would the real Jesus please stand up, you know, because there's times people, Jesus is painted in a different image. You know, sometimes he's this way, sometimes he's that way. Sometimes he, he used to have his, his old-time power and used to do miracles, but, you know, today he's different. But the Bible says he's not. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so uh, we need to really study some things that people, some ideas that people have uh, about God, about who he is, and Jesus, and who he is. You know, um, because you don't relate to God based on who he is, but who you imagine him to be. Or who you think him to be. If you think he's mean and got a fly swatter, well, you won't come to him, you know. But that doesn't mean he is mean and has a fly swatter. You know what I mean by fly swatter? You mean he comes, he's going to hit you, remind you of all your faults and failures. But the Bible said there's no condemnation in Christ. So, but we need to uh, know that we relate to him not based on who he is, but based on who we think he is or believe he is or imagine him to be. And so it's important the image we have of God and that the image be painted by the Word of God, painted on the inside of us by the Word of God and the truth and not really just kind of theories or religious ideas or traditions, you understand, but what the Word of God actually says. Matthew 15, 6 says, the, word, the traditions of men make the Word of God of none effect. So we can have religious traditions that don't line up with the Scriptures, and it will keep the Scriptures from working for us. What do I mean working for us? Well, there's supposed to be results we get out of the Word of God. Hebrews 4 talks about Israel. They, the Word didn't profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Uh, the profit from the Word comes by mixing faith with the Word. But see, wrong traditional ideas... Keep, they blind man to the Word, and they keep him from having a faith that brings the, the benefits that God intended the Word to give us. So we want to make sure we're seeing things cor correctly and understanding and knowing God the way He really is. And one of the things that I want to deal with this morning 
is this idea that God is sort of running everything. You know, if something happens out here, maybe in our culture or in our lives or, you know, in the family or something like that, if something happens, that was God doing that. Well, uh, sometimes things are God's, the things that happen are God, sometimes they're not. There are things that the Bible says that happen that are not God. Just take Acts 10.38, for example, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. He went about doing good and healing, now notice, all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Those people that were sick those in Jesus' day were oppressed, not by God, but by the devil. That tells us how God sees sickness. It's not a blessing from God to teach us something. Because he's sovereignly running everything. You understand? But that uh, we went ahead and jumped right into it this morning, didn't we? But, but no, that's not God doing everything. Everything that happens is not God. You know, if you make an insurance claim or something like that, sometimes they'll say, this was an act of God. Well, how many of you know, because the insurance people who do not know God say it was God, doesn't make it God. <laughs> We can know from the Bible if it's God or not. Acts 10.10 would just solve a whole lot of doctrine if people read read Acts 10. Excuse me, I said Acts. John 10.10. John 10.10, the thief comes not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. But I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So did it steal? Did it kill? Did it destroy? God wasn't in it. You understand that? Just real simple. Uh, it, it, it takes a preacher to help you con- get, get confused about it, you understand. <laughs> All right, and so we want to we wanna actually look at what the Bible says. Now, um, and, and some of these things that people say, they come out of certain kinds of thinking that people have regarding some of these things. Um, and, and, and people, they, don't misunderstand me, a lot of folks that say certain things that maybe aren't scriptural, they love God. They're seeking Him. They want to know Him. But yet, you know, for example, uh, we've said this. In fact, you can go to this verse if you would like to. Uh, we read it, I believe, a, a couple of Sundays ago where uh, Paul said, 2 Corinthians 5, I believe it's number, verse number, what is that? Verse number 14. Maybe somebody can uh, tell me here on the front row. We got several Bible scholars on the front row. And so, but uh, I believe it's 2 Corinthians 5, is it verse number 14? Paul said, Know no man after the flesh. Or is that verse 16? Where is that? 16, thank you. 2 Corinthians 5, 16. Know no man after the flesh. Then, so that's talking about you and I knowing each other, so forth. Know no man after the flesh. It would include ourselves too, wouldn't it? We, we don't know, we're to not know ourselves after the flesh. We're to know ourselves in Christ. Yes. Who are we in Christ? Yes. You know, Christians are sometimes wondering, who am I? Yes. I, need to, I need to get my, I need to find my identity. Well, you'll find it in Christ. <laughs> but he said, no, no man after the flesh. Then he went on to talk about himself. And he said, though I have known Christ, or he said we, and he's including himself, we have known Christ after the flesh, yet from henceforth, in other words, from now on, we don't know him that way anymore. Now, he's including himself, and really he's referring to how he knew Jesus before his experience and his encounter meeting Jesus on the road to Damascus. 
He knew him one way before the experience on the road to Damascus. But on the road to Damascus, he met Jesus in reality, in all his glory. And it straightened his string out. (laughs) All of a sudden, his string came perfectly straight. He got clarity about who Jesus really was. And from that day on, he did not know Jesus anymore after the flesh. Now, before he, because he knew him after the spirit. Now, before that, he was persecuting Christians. And do you know he was doing it thinking that he was doing God a favor? Isn't that right? You might say, where are you going with this? I'm talking about knowing God. And he, was, he thought because of his religious traditions. Say that word, those two words out loud, religious traditions. He was thinking he was doing God a a favor. I mean, God needs me because these people are bad people. We need to wipe these people out. He thought he was doing God a favor and and because of his religious traditions. Now, then, and he was persecuting Jesus. Remember what Jesus said to him, Paul, Paul, Saul, Saul, his name was Saul, changed to Paul. Why persecutest thou me? Jesus Jesus took it personally the way he was treating Christians. Do you know you and Jesus are one? And if somebody treats you bad, they're treating Jesus bad. That's true about the other way around, too. If I treat you bad, then I'm treating Jesus bad, and I'm in trouble. (laughs) But anyway, Saul saw, why persecutest thou me? It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. Well, so Jesus revealed himself to Saul in all of his glory, and from then on, he realized, I was wrong about Jesus. Right? Yep. And so did the question I asked is, that, that's knowledge. That's, that's knowing God one way and then turning and knowing God another way. Right. The first way Paul, we'll say Paul's name was Saul. You know, it's changed to Paul. But the first way Paul knew God he was zealous about it, thinking he was, he was yeah. doing God a favor. Yeah. That's right. yeah. Then he got a revelation of who Jesus really was. Are you with me this morning? And he knew him in reality, not in religious traditions. Now, the question I have for you is, did Jesus change on the road to Damascus? Did Jesus become different than Paul had thought he was on the road to Damascus and became who Paul now sees him to be. No, No. Jesus didn't change. Isn't that right? And so Jesus didn't change. What changed was the the deception came off of Paul's mind. And what what he once thought was true, that he imagined to be true, was not true. Although he had been convinced it had been true. So how many of you know that still needs to happen today, even in many Christians' lives? Like, for example, they kind of have the idea God's sovereign and he's running everything. Now, I'm going to probably, you know, barbecue some sacred cows here this morning (laughs) because, because, but see, those sacred cows need to be barbecued because we can think God is one way and he's not that way at all. And therefore, we're missing out on everything that God wants to do in our lives. You know, if God's zigging and we're zagging, we're kind of not in step with Him. Does that make any sense? So, um, 
So we're going to get into this a little bit. If you can uh, just hang with me a few, few moments. Um, we've got to learn to know God and who He really is. And there are kind of two, if you, you, could, you could break it down different ways depending on how you look at it, but there's kind of two groups of people within the body of Christ. How many of you, everybody's born again, has received the work of Christ and put faith in the blood of Jesus, believed God raised Him from the dead and so forth, and confessed Him, that, that they're saved. Yes. They're a part of the body of Christ. But um, within that group of those who are saved, I'm not talking about just the religious world. When I say the religious world, I mean people maybe aren't even saved, but they just go to church and, you know, do, do religious things. Yes. That's a whole group of people. But I'm just talking about even in the, in the, in the true born-again church, uh, which is not a, a church, or, you know, like this building or this, this group of people. It's the, it's, it's the universe of whoever's born again. Right. You understand. But in that group of people, there's kind of people that have two different ideas about the way God does what He does. Uh, there's a category of people that say God is sovereign, and then there's a category of people, and he's, and, and let, me, let me clarify that. When they say he's sovereign, that means he's just sort of running everything. And so, uh, you know, he's, if something good happens, that was God's will. If something bad happens, that was God's will. Uh, and if, if something good didn't happen, it was because it wasn't God's will. And if some, something bad happened, you know, that's because God sovereignly was, was allowing that to happen. And that he's controlling everything. You understand? And so um, they're, they're sort of saying uh, God uses bad things to work good. Uh, like, for example, they'll say God made somebody go through this bad experience, this horrific experience, some kind of stealing, killing, or destroying sickness or disease or something like that in order to teach them something. Well, I don't doubt we can learn something through bad experiences, but I do, don't, I do doubt that God's the one that brought it so we could learn it. He's given us His Word to teach us and His Spirit to teach us. Now, can we learn things the hard way? Oh, yeah, <laughs> I have. Anybody in here done that? But that doesn't mean God sent that. That just means I opened the door to the devil and I learned don't do that again. Yes, sir. Right? Don't do that again. Uh, because, uh, you know, the devil has looking for an opportunity. And so, but, uh, but these kinds of thinking, they, they kind of, that's one side. The other side is, that's, that's, I said there's kind of two groups in the body of Christ. The other side is that... Um, God is a good God, and Satan is also in the earth, and he's going about seeking whom he may devour. You know, the Bible talks about Satan walking about seeking whom he may devour. And Jesus said he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And, and so the, the, the other group says there's good and evil in the world, and evil is from Satan, and good comes from God. Now, when I start saying this side, I start giving all kinds of scriptures because the scriptures are on this side. Like take, for example, every James chapter number one, every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights. There's no variableness, no variableness, neither shadow of turning. That's a verse. (laughs) Poke your neighbor and say, that's a verse. It's in your Bible. And so God is a good God. God is a good God. And he goes about doing good. That's what Jesus went about, doing good and healing. All the oppress- so healing is good. Sickness is not good. Sickness is oppress- oppression from the enemy. Yes. 
So, um, so we've got, you know, we're doing some basics here because we're, we're starting this new congregation. We want to we wanna get the, the good foundation of God's Word under us. To know, to know how to approach God because if we know Him wrong or think of Him wrong, we're going to approach Him in a way that's not reality. And so uh, th- this, is, uh, this is a big, big important issue. And so the doctrine of sovereignty has the idea that God's running everything and He's just doing His, sovereign, uh, His will sovereignly regardless of what man does. And if something happens, it was God's will. If it didn't happen, it wasn't God's will. In other words, just sort of circumstances are always God. You know what I mean. And so uh, if, it's just as much wrong thinking when it comes to other things. In that, to have that kind of thinking is just as wrong when it comes to everything else as it is to think of it in the area of salvation. Jesus' blood was shed for all. Yes, that's right. Amen. And the scriptures say, whosoever will, let him come. Yes. Right? And so the Calvinistic sovereignty thinking that God sovereignly, actually, actually they actually believe this. John Calvin, you're back in the 1500s, he's the one that started this kind of teaching. Uh, and he said, you know, God is sovereign. So he actually, he actually said that God determines some to be saved and some to be damned for eternity. In other words, it's not depending on anything that man does or man believes. God sovereignly determines that. He decides people's destiny. In other words, but see, that violates so many, so many principles of God's Word. Number one, it violates the principle of, of the Scriptures that talks about that uh, God is no respecter of persons. Well, in, if that's what He's doing, deciding He's no respecter of persons, then He's a respecter of persons. What's He basing that on? Just His sovereign whim, you know, or something like that. Well, okay, so that violates that. It also violates, the Scriptures say, whosoever will, let him come. It violates the, 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 the blood of Jesus was shed for all men. It violates the, the principle of God's justice. If you know anything about justice, you know it, has to, it involves fairness. Anything that's just is fair. Right? And if God, and the Bible calls God the righteous judge of all the earth. Righteous means just. In other words, he's fair. He's not perverting justice. He's not doing people wrong. Uh, If God is the righteous judge of all the earth, if he's just and he's fair, then, then for him to choose who's going to heaven, who's going to hell, is not fair. That's just not fair. If I just, out of a whim today, I say... uh, I'm going to take somebody to lunch, and I'm just going to randomly pick. You know, that's, that's, just, being, that's just not being fair, right? right? So uh, are you thinking with me? I mean, we need to think about some of these things. Maybe think a little deeper than we do sometimes. And so God is, the Bible said he's the righteous judge of all. And if God is, is the righteous judge of all the earth, and we are, see, where we get our idea of like justice in our society, certain laws that say this is wrong, and if you do this, you know, you go to prison or whatever, you know, murder or something like that, uh, or so forth and so on. 
then since we have this justice system which is based on fairness, see, the reason I'm not in, in, in uh, jail today is because the law is fair and those who don't murder don't go to jail. I haven't murdered, so I don't go. That's fair. Right? <laughs> I know we're thinking deeply. I know that's real simple, but really that's quite profound. But see, if that's fair... That, that I don't go to jail because I haven't murdered and done things like that, but somebody else has, so they go to jail. That's fair. But if that's fair, then and, and if sovereignty is true, then we need to throw out our justice system because somebody just ought to sovereignly decide who goes to prison and who, goes, who gets to live freely in society. Some big, some big wig that just wants to get mad at this group and not get mad at that group. See, that's why people don't like dictators. Because it's not fair. Just because I don't like you doesn't mean you, have, you, get, you get to chop my head off, you know. That's what dictators do. Right? Some of you are looking at me kind of funny this morning. But see, I'm, I'm just going to show you how ridiculous some of this stuff really is. When you actually believe sovereignty... When it comes to salvation, it just undermines so many principles of the Scriptures. And here's another principle it undermines, man's free will. Right. See, sovereignly determining, God sovereignly determining that this man goes to hell and this man goes to heaven, that undermines his free will, and that's not fair because you're determining something that he, had not, that he was not involved with. But when a man has, out of his own free will, chosen to reject God, to rebel against God, to reject salvation, rebel against Jesus, and he goes to hell, that's fair because he participated in that. Am I making you think a little bit? That's fair because he participated in that. But a sovereign God who's determining these things not based on anything man does or anything about man's free will, then that's not fair. That's not fair. Can you say amen? Amen. That's better preaching than your amen, and I'll tell you that. So, but we've got to understand that that violates the principle of free will. It also violates the principle of faith. Matthew 9, 29, Jesus said to, and this, this principle is repeated throughout the Bible over and over. And I'm not talking about a few dozen times. The principle of it is all through the Bible. But Matthew 9, 29 said, Jesus said, according to your faith, be it unto you. Not according to my sovereign will, but according to your faith. Your faith means our faith. According to our faith, it's being done unto us. In other words, God's not deciding some things. Whether we mix our faith with God's word determines certain things. So the, the sovereignty teaching violates the, the issue of faith. And we could spend a lot of time, and we will look at some of these things. Another thing it violates is the truth of the authority of the believer. Now you might say, what's the truth of the authority of the believer? That's what I've been trying to get to in this teaching ever since we started. <laughs> Takes me a while sometimes, but I'll get there. But see, whenever we lay a good foundation, it's, it's lodging, it'll lodge there better in your life. What is the authority of the believer? Well, the authority of the believer is in, it starts out in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 28. You might want to go over there. <clears throat> if you brought your Bible, let's open it. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 28. This was when God originally created Adam and Eve. 
And he, he said something to them that is very, very, very important. Verse 26, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. Poke your neighbor and say, hey, I got dominion over creeps. Did you know that? <laughs> that might be stretching that a little bit, but I'm just, I'm just, but anyway, but I want you to notice there he said dominion over all the earth, oh, all the earth. And then he said, so God created him in his, in his own image. In the image of God created he them. Male and female created he them. That's a verse that's the revelation today. Male and female created he them. And, God's, and God blessed them. And God blessed them and said, God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Now that's God's original mandate to man. God created man to fellowship with him. He came in cool evening fellowship. God wanted somebody to fellowship with. But he also created man with a mission, and that was to run this earth. Have dominion. Dominion means authority. In other words, you, you, if you're in authority, then you're the one that gets to decide some things. We, this is a subject that really needs to be taught. So God made Adam... The man to the, in charge down here. <clears throat> now, God, and, and uh, people say things different ways, but you can say it in ways that sometimes people understand it a little bit, maybe. And I say this not to be, because people take things wrong, you know. I'm just using a term I grew up with, not, not as a slur against anybody. But have you ever heard of the term being an Indian giver? I don't mean that against Indian people. I just, I, I love all people. But the term is something maybe everybody says. An Indian giver is give it and then take it back. God is not an Indian giver. Do you know what I mean by that? In other words, he doesn't give something and then take it back. Now, a lot of us, when Adam, when Adam sinned and submitted himself to the devil, and then 2 Corinthians 4, 4 calls Satan the God of this world. Satan took that dominion over. When that happened, if God had been a kind of God who gives it and then takes it back, he would have seen Adam was getting ready to lose that dominion, and he would have taken it back. said, don't do that. But he didn't do that. He let him. He let him bow the knee to Satan. He allowed him to do that. Was it God's will? No. But God did not sovereignly stop him. Why? Because God will not violate two things, man's free will, and he will not violate the authority that he gives to somebody. If he gives authority and we're trying to get God to do something, then we're not exercising our authority. Let me give you an example. Let's say a policeman, a young man comes up, he turns of age, and he's able to become a part of the police force, and so he takes the training, he goes into the academy, so forth, and they, they, he finishes his training, and they swear him in, hold up your right hand, do you swear to uphold the, the you know, Constitution, or whatever, if it's a city, you know, to uh, the, uphold the laws and so forth. Yes, and, and so they, they, they put the badge on and put, give him the uniform, so forth and so on. Well, okay, so he's out on the beat, and he sees a crime. Uh, they, they authorized him to deal with that, right? So he's now authorized. When he's held up his hand and said, do you uphold the Constitution and so forth, or city laws or whatever, and he says, I do, then they have now authorized him. You ever seen the old movies where they deputize somebody? 
You know, they're, they're getting ready to go out on a posse, and they don't have enough guys, so they grab a guy off the street. Here, uh, do you, do you, uh, you know, and they put the star on him and say, now you're deputized. Yes. <laughs> they just authorized him. Yes. Now he can, he can work on the behalf of that city or that state or something. And that's what God did to Adam. He deputized him. He deputized him and said, now, this is, this is yours to run. I, I give you dominion. Well, then that's what happens to a policeman whenever he's sworn in and so forth. So a policeman goes out, and he's supposed to, you know, arrest people for crimes and so forth. And so he comes across somebody, and, and here's, a, here's a, you know, somebody, somebody calls and says, uh, somebody's breaking into my house. They're trying to steal my furniture and so forth and so on. And the policeman rushes down there, and he sees, well, sure enough, there they are. Right there they are, hauling out the furniture. It's not yours. It's not yours. It's not yours. You're not supposed to do that. Hello, mayor? Mayor, do something. There's a crime down here. Come on. The mayor's going to go, that's what I told you to do. Click. That's right. Yes. Oh, come on. We're, We're starting to get it now. When God authorized us, he deputized us, and he gave us that authority. Now, we know Adam sinned, Adam submitted himself to Satan, and you come over into the New Testament, and you'll find 2 Corinthians 4.4. Anybody ever seen 2 Corinthians 4.4? If you haven't ever looked at that, look over there. This is not a man saying this. This is God saying this. 2 Corinthians 4.4 calls Satan, what's it call him? The God of this world. Why? Why, God, did you make him, Satan, the God of this world? Oh, if he hadn't have done that. He didn't. God didn't make Satan the God of this world. Adam made, God, excuse me, Adam made Satan the God of this world. Little g, not big g, little g. He's not God, our God, but he is the God of this world. Now, what does that mean, God of this world? That means he's running things. Do you know there's a lot of things? Now, I'm not saying he's running you or me. I mean, he could if we let him. But but, but he's running. There's a lot of things Satan's running down here. Anybody that just thinks a little bit will will recognize that. Right? God's not, oh, this is all God's plan. He's working his plan. Somebody said he planned that there be an Antichrist, and he's on the rise, and so forth. That was never God's plan. Just because he foreknew it and foretold it did not mean it was his will or that he was the one doing it. Right. And he told us it was coming, but that doesn't mean it's his will. Do you actually know that the Bible says over there, what is that, 1 Corinthians? I mean, excuse me, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2, I believe. I could be wrong. Uh, chapter number 4, actually, I believe it is. Where uh, I, I could be wrong about whether it's First or Second Thessalonians. But anyway, he said that the church is holding him back. The Antichrist, holding him back. What? I thought God was holding him back. No, the church is. Why? Because we have authority down here. We need to learn to exercise our authority. And you know, Satan recognizes our authority. The problem is we don't recognize our authority. We don't know who we are. We don't know we've been deputized. We can resist the devil and he'll flee from 
God? No, he'll flee from us. He'll flee from us. The Bible said, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Right. One, one, one says, as in terror. He'll run <laughs> yeah. from you as in terror. Why? He recognizes authority. Yes, he, does. he recognizes authority. Well, we need to recognize our authority. Right. Yes. We have the authority. And so what I'm talking about, and I'm just kind of, and this is just a summary of some of these things, but, but uh, what I'm talking about is these two camps. Some people say God's running everything, and the faith camp, if you want to know which kind of ministry this is, this is a faith ministry. The faith camp says God is giving, He allows what we allow. You ever read, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven? That's not a sovereignty verse. That, that doesn't work. Sovereignty doesn't work there in that verse. Now, let me say this because people get confused. God is sovereign in heaven. God is sovereign in heaven. But He's not sovereign down here on this earth. And I'll tell you why. Because in, I'm talking about in the way people say He's sovereign. Because Jesus said, Thy will, He said, You pray, and this is the way you pray. Thy will be done on earth as it is being done in heaven. So God is getting His way in heaven, but He's not always getting His way down here on earth. Why did He say we must pray? If God's just sovereignly running everything, why do we need to pray? Because, I mean, I mean, what's the use of praying? God's going to do whatever He's going to do anyway, and He's just running everything. He's in charge. He's doing it all. Like somebody said, God's in charge. He's running all this. Well, somebody said that had a little bit of intelligence, maybe a little bit more than a pea-sized brain. They said, well, if He's, if he's running it, He sure got it in a mess. <laughs> and he does. If he's running it, he's got it in a mess. But he's not running it. The, sa- the Bible says Satan in the last days goes about with great wrath because he knows his time is short. He's running around. He knows. He's looking over the edge of that bottomless pit, and he's going, oh, it's getting close. I better get busy. <laughs> Messing everybody up. Taking as many people to hell as he can with him. Now, in Cedar Rapids, sometimes they come to the church just to hear the sound effects. But that, that's just... <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. No, they come for the word. Are you still glad you came this morning? I know people don't think very deeply into some of these things, but, but some of the statements, let me, let me back up here. Um, somebody said, well, okay, God made Adam uh, in dominion, but he lost it. You're saying, you're saying we still have it, but he lost it. Well, see, that's what Jesus' coming was all about. Yes is to get that back. Because when he rose from the dead in Matthew 28, verses 18 or 19, somewhere down in through there, Matthew 28, he rose from the dead. He said, all authority is given unto me in heaven and earth. And if you stop right there, you think, if if you think a little bit about the Bible, you think that doesn't make any sense. All authority has been given unto me. Why would he say such a thing whenever when we see him walk in the earth, we see him exercising authority over demons? We see him exercising authority and speaking to a fig tree and it obeyed him. He's saying to a dead man, uh, 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 come forth, and he came forth. Saying to the wind and waves, peace, be still. And they calmed down. Right? Saying to a fever, the Bible said he rebuked Peter's mother-in-law's fever. Not Peter's mother-in-law, but her fever. <laughs> he rebuked the fever. Yes. And what happened? It left her. That's authority. He would command the devils and they came out in, 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 in uh, that authority. 
Why then, if he walked in that when he walked the earth, is he so excited whenever he rose from the dead and said, All authority is given unto me in heaven and earth. Come on. He already had that authority. What's he talking about? He's not talking about something he didn't have. He's talking about something we didn't have that he got back for us. Because he says it as if, when he said it there in Matthew, all authority is given unto me. When he, just raised, he had just raised from the dead, right? He said it as if it's a new development. Extra, extra, read all about it. All over Facebook, all over YouTube, all over everywhere. All authority is given unto me in heaven and earth. That he was talking about something that we had lost that he got back for us. That's why he said, wherever you bind is bound, whatever you loose is loosed. That's why he said, we're raised up with Jesus and sitting with Jesus in heavenly places, far above all principality and power. See, that's talking about a place of authority. The right hand of God is a place of authority. You ever seen the old movies? Anybody sitting at the right hand of the king? He's got some authority. I don't know about you. I'm about to, I'm about to have an East, East Texas Brush Arbor spell. <laughs> if you don't know what that is, that means getting happy. Yeah. <laughs> and we could go after that, and we will. We'll take Scripture after Scripture as we go through this and look at some of these things. Authority means you have a say. Yes. That's what it means. It means yes. you now have a say. Yes. You can say no to what the devil brings. You can even say no to God, but I encourage you to say yes to God and no to the devil. What authority enables you to do is to either open the door or close the door to either God or Satan. You can say no to Satan's stuff when it comes because Jesus redeemed you from being under his dominion. Bible said he's translated us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. We're not under the dominion of that kingdom of darkness anymore. Satan's the god of this world. There's a lot of things he's doing out here, but that doesn't mean he's running the church. Right. And that doesn't mean he has authority over That's the church. Right. Come on. <laughs> and we, there are so many scriptures along this line. Literally, you might think I'm exaggerating, but I could preach on this a solid every day for three months and not exhaust the subject. And we need to get this well established in our thinking. Because it's so, it's so necessary to get rid of the kind of idea that God's running everything. Now, here's some things that people say that really come out of the sovereignty thinking. But, but let me ask you this. Okay, let me back up to what I was talking about, about the teaching that John Calvin, Calvin started, where he said God is, is sovereign. He's determining everybody's eternal destiny, whether they go to heaven, whether they go to hell, so forth like that. It's amazing today to think that that used to actually be a doctrine. Yep. And people say, that's, that's heresy. And it is. When it comes to salvation, that's heresy. But, and people say, well, people don't preach that today. Not as much concerning salvation, but concerning everything else, it's probably 70 to 80% of the body of Christ has subscribed to sovereignty. I don't know the exact figures, but I'm, I'm estimating. What does, what does it mean for people to say, when, when people say, because you hear this, if you, if you just listen now, you'll hear it everywhere now. People will say, well, everything happens for a reason. What are they saying? Everything happens for a reason. You ever stopped and thought about it? What, what, what is that? What, what are you saying? 
Everything happens. Everything happens for a reason. Are you saying that God is doing everything? Because really, if you think of it, that's what they're saying. God's, God's doing everything, and he's got a reason. You might not understand it. It's bad. I mean, it, your baby died here, and it's bad, but there's a reason here. In other words, they're saying God did this for some reason. Or they'll say God allowed it. Well, God's allowing it because that was his will. He'll allow what you allow because he gave you the say. If the policeman down there allows the crime to happen, the mayor has to allow the crime to happen. I don't know about you, but I can tell some of you are thinking. Uh, so we've got to, what does this, what do some of these, uh, what do these things mean? Here's something that, because people get confused about it, and you can see we need to take a lot of time with some of these things because it has so ingrained most Christians' thinking and they're unaware of it. But the Scriptures will help us get, get aware of it and then start rooting it out. Here's something that we need to understand. Psalm 138, verse number 2. Psalm 138, verse number 2. <clears throat> it says there that uh, I will worship towards thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. The second half here is what I wanted to get to. You have magnified your word above all your name. That last statement is so vital for you and I to understand that we, we're probably going to spend the rest of our time here on it today. We'll see how this goes. We're, we're about to wrap up. But... Thy, thou hast exalted thy word above thy name. Say that out loud, just because it's so important to understand that. Let's all say that out loud. Thou hast exalted, or excuse me, magnified. Thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. I always say exalted because if you look it up, that's what magnify means. You ever say, heard somebody say magnify the Lord? Or they'll say exalt the Lord, lift, lift the Lord up, you know? Yes. Uh, so, thou hast exalted or magnified thy word above thy name. Okay, what does that mean? That means, now listen very carefully, and this is going to make some of you swallow your false teeth, but, but <laughs> that means there's something higher than God. That means there's something higher than God. What is it? Well, who made it higher than God? God himself. God himself made something higher yes. than himself. Yes. What did he make higher than himself? What he says. Now, that'll help you understand a lot of things because people say, well, yeah, isn't God sovereign? Well, let's define what it means. First of all, the word sovereignty isn't even in the King James Bible. So you've got to be real careful about a doctrine that's not even in the Bible. And I know there's other translations, but... but but you, what, what does sovereignty mean? If you look it up, if it's, if it's not in the Bible, we've got to look it up in the English dictionary. So you look it up in the English dictionary, it means it's chief or highest in authority and so forth and so on. And God is the, high, the most high God, isn't he? He is, the Bible said, he's the most high God. Praise God. Yes. You need to preach that to drug dealers. You want to get a high? Get, get, get a hold of the most yeah. high. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but he is the most high God. So yes, in that sense, he is sovereign. But does that mean what people say it means? Being the most high God, does that mean he can just do anything he wants? Well, yes, 
He can do anything he wants. So he said, this is what I'll do. I'll do what I say. Uh, now that changes everything. That changes everything. I said, that changes everything. I wish I could get an amen out of some of you. That changes everything. And we have a copy of what he said. He's exalted his word above his name. In other words, he has said, he, he, has, he, he is under no external restraints to keep him from doing something, but he has put some restraints on himself. He said, I will do what I say. I will do what I say. I exalt my word over myself. Woo! I don't know about you. You get a hold of that, that'll change your life. His word governs him. He's under no external government. But he does say, I will govern my actions by what I say. If I didn't say it, I won't do it. And if I said it, I will do it. And if you hold me to it, I've got to do what I said. If you call on the name of Jesus and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For me to call on the name of Jesus and confess him as Lord, believe God raised from the dead and so forth. And God said, I'm not saving you. He lied. If he lied, he's not God. And he's no good. I know that gets people's attention. But no, we've got to realize the sovereignty of his word. Are you out there this morning? His word is over him. It governs him. There's something higher than him. It's what he said. He's limited because he has limited himself to his own word. Amen? And when it comes to what he does in our lives, his word is conditional. Over and over and over again, there are ifs in the conditional promises of God's word. If you do this, whosoever shall, like take stand, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you do that, bam, you'll be saved. Yes. Why? His, his honor is on the line. Do you understand that? Yes. His honor is on the line. Remember the Bible said in Psalm 89, that, that my covenant will I not break nor alter the thing that's gone out of my mouth. So what comes out of his mouth is his covenant. Yes. It's not just... Like a man talking, saying, okay, I'll do that, and then they change their mind later. No, his word is covenant. Nor will I alter the thing that's going on in my mouth. In other words, I won't go back and change it. In other words, you'll never have a new edition of the Bible drop out of heaven, and God said, listen, I changed some things. He's true to his word, and he will not alter this word. Man talks in etch-a-sketch. God talks in stone. <laughs> And besides that, he talks in, he, everything he says is sworn in blood. It's covenant. It's, in, it's sworn in the blood of Jesus. And the Bible said, now this will help you understand Jeremiah 1.12. The Bible said, King James says, I hasten my word to perform it. But literally, the Hebrew says, I watch over my word to perform it. I watch over it to perform it. Now, that doesn't mean he's just watching over his word written in this book. 
to perform it, or else everything would be automatic because it's in this book. But it's not. He's watching over it in our heart and in our mouth, and whatever we mix faith with, He's watching over that Word. To, he'll make it good. He'll make it good. Because Hebrews 3.1 3, 3, calls Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. We believe it and say it, it'll come to pass. It'll come to pass. That's what he's watching over to make it good. Now, Hebrews 7.22, I'm going to give you a whole lot of verses, but, I, but you got all week to listen to this again online. <laughs> Hebrews 7.22 calls Jesus the, the surety of the new covenant. The surety. That means if you look it up, it means guarantee. He's the guarantee. Yeah. Blood has been shed Amen. to guarantee every, every word in the covenant. Yes. Boy, what faith that gives you. What confidence that gives you. I'm just, I did it. I preached myself happy this morning. So there's something higher than him. It's his own word. And when it comes to what he does in our lives, his word is conditional. He tells us what he'll do. What he'll do is based on what we do based on his word. Whether we obey the instructions, the instructions, whether we fulfill the conditions, if we don't agree with his word, we have limited him in our lives. Now go over it and we'll wrap this up. Psalm 78, 41. Psalm 78, 41. It says, it's talking about Israel. They turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Psalm 78, 41. They limited the Holy One of Israel. That doesn't sound like sovereignty. That doesn't sound like God's making all these decisions. That sounds like man can limit God based on he, what he does. With God's word, with what God said. Now, the, the context is the children of Israel not going in to possess the Canaan's land. God said, I have given you the land. Then he said, go in and possess it. So grace provides it. This is all the way through the Bible, but especially in the New Testament. Whatever grace provides, man must use his faith to appropriate and that determines what a man has in his life, not the sovereignty of God. Are we still on the same page? On the same page? That determines. That's just Matthew 9, 29. According to your faith, be it unto you. So learn to take God's word in faith and begin to act on it and begin to agree with it, believe it, and say it. And God will honor his own word. God, when you do that, it's like you've got a mirror on earth reflecting himself back to him. When you say, God, you said. You, when you say that to God, he sees himself in his word. Don't base your prayer life on your need. Base your prayer life on his provision. Base your prayer life on what he said in his word. Base your prayer life, because that's what he honors. That's what he's watching over. He's not watching over your need. He's watching over his word to perform his word. Yes. Yes. And when you hold his word up and say, God, you said this to me, and I just want to thank you for it. I believe it's true. Yes. He sees himself in that. Yes. It's like your kids saying, I want to go to Disneyland. You say, okay, you get straight A's. We'll take you to Disneyland for a vacation. Yep. Guess what? They get straight A's. They're going to come reminding you of what you right. said. And when they come reminding you, you're going to see yourself. 
I did. I said that. I remember. I was there. I, we were standing right there in the kitchen. That's what I said. <laughs> Somebody said, well, my kids can't make me do something that, that I don't want to do. No, you said it. They're not making you do it because you're a person of, because you're faithful and you're honorable to what you say. You have bound yourself by your word. And if you won't keep your word, you're no good. Same with God. If he won't keep his word, he's no good. But he is good. He is faithful. Did you get anything out of that today? Do you know how much more I want to share for another 14 hours? But there's many, many examples of people limiting God in the Bible. And we won't take the time to get into all these. But I just want to say this. Sometimes things happen in people's lives. And they get upset. Because why did God allow that to happen? Um, Don't blame God for what a man who God gave a free will did. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Do, Do wrongs happen in this life? Jesus said you can't go through this life without offense coming to you. It's impossible, but that offenses will come. Somebody's going to do you wrong. Somebody said, somebody came and, and I, I, I didn't mean to be trite about their condition, but I wanted to wake them up a little bit because they sort of had some wrong thinking. They said, this person did me wrong, did me wrong. And I said, welcome to the human race. Yeah. It's going to happen. What you do with it determines whether or not you keep going on with God or not. You understand? Don't blame God for something that a man who has a free will did. Amen. God has made no man his puppet. You know what I mean by puppet? You ever seen a play with puppets on a string or puppets on somebody's hand? You can make that puppet say anything, do anything you want them to do because you're, you're completely controlling that puppet. God has made no man his puppet. God has given man a free will. Things happen that are, are wrong against us because of Satan, because of the fallen sin nature, and because of man's free will. And God had nothing to do with any of those three things. Are you still out there? So every man gets to choose his own action. Now, this isn't popular in our culture. You can stand with me to your feet because we're wrapping this up. But every man gets to choose his own actions. But what's not popular today is having to live with the consequences of the choices you made. That's not popular today. Nobody wants to take responsibility for their own actions. You know, if something happens, it's not my fault. You know, if I went bankrupt, it's not my fault. You know, all those credit cards I spent all that money on. (laughs) Yeah, whatever. Nobody wants to take responsibility. I mean, some people do. But there's too much of the wrong thinking in this area. But that doesn't mean that people don't have free will and that their choices have consequences. Isn't that right? But my... My point is, if, if somebody has done you wrong, don't turn against God because he had nothing to do with that. God has not made any man his puppet. God has not made any man a machine. Um, don't let the dece- devil deceive you to thinking God was somehow involved with that. He allows things because he will not violate free will. Isn't that right? He hurts with what happens to us. 
You understand that. He's a loving Heavenly Father. He hurts. But here's something we need to learn to do is learn to not attribute to God what the devil's doing. Amen? When God had nothing to do with it. Don't turn defensive against God. I just believe we need to say this before we close. Don't turn defensive against God. You know, well, so-and-so did me wrong, and so I'm never going to pray anymore. I'm never going to go to church anymore. The devil loves you, loves hearing you say that because he deceived you into turning against God when God had nothing to do with it. Say it out loud. He had nothing to do with it. Amen. Don't draw back from him. Amen. Draw back from the lies of the enemy. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, we barely could get into the edge of some things, but we're, we're getting... We're taking some steps. We thank you for the privilege of hearing the word of truth, the the light of your word. Father, we are here present today to not just be hearers of your word, but to be doers of it. And so, Father God, if any one of us have had wrongs done to us and we've gotten hardened against you or spoken against you or blamed you or turned away from you or accused you or drawn back from you, forgive us today. We ask you to have mercy on us. We, we listen to a lie from the enemy. Father, you're a good God, and you never change. You're faithful, and you never change. Father, teach us to walk in this authority that you've given. Teach us, Lord, to, to walk in the dominion that you have given us in Christ. Open our eyes to understand. Father, we'll be careful to give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' mighty name.